0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Episode 3, Star Trek Lives, Draft Introduction by Gene Roddenberry, January 1975. Support for The Trek Files comes from our friends at Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships collection. Get the first starship in the collection, Star Trek The Next Generation's Enterprise D, for only $4.95 with free shipping when you sign up now at st-starships.com/slash-the-trek-files.
1: Welcome to the Trek Files: A look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Doctor Trek, Larry Nemec.
2: Thanks, and welcome again, Deep Divers, to another edition of The Trek Files. And Today we have one of those offbeat but really insightful pieces from The Gene Files. It's an introduction that he wrote for a paperback, a 1975 book called Star Trek Lives. It was a nonfiction analysis of, of the Trek explosion in fandom and popularity, and it was done in real time as it happened. Uh, Boldly going where nothing like this had ever gone before. And here's a piece of it. Uh, Just take a listen. This is from the introduction Gene wrote from this book.
0: If television can bend minds and capture imaginations while in a rather primitive stage of development, what of tomorrow? It seems to me inescapable. That we can either use tomorrow's telecommunications marvels better to draw all of humanity together in a free exchange of ideas, art, and knowledge, or its great mind bending potential will be used by a powerful few to own and manipulate the rest of us. We'll be right back after a short word from our sponsor
1: Star Trek fans, your ships have come in. The official Star Trek Starships collection from Eagle Moss is the ultimate collection of the most significant vessels from across the Star Trek universe, from the original series to Star Trek Beyond and beyond. Each ship is cast in a specially formulated metallic resin and hand-painted with reference to actual production models. Each also comes with a display base and collector's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, original design sketches, and a breakdown of technology on board. Start your collection today with the USS Enterprise 1701D for only $4.95 with free shipping. New models ship twice monthly and you may cancel your subscription at any time. For details on the entire collection and to order, visit saint starshipscom the track files. Make it so at saint starshipscom the track files.
2: Well, and as I was looking through this actual document, holding it in my hand, which, again, is, is uh, the visual scan of the document with Gene's typing and his handwritten notes is available on the Facebook page. Uh, I, that section really jumped out at me. Gene makes some great points. It's the way we're listening to hearing him talk from this time period. But that really jumped out as something prescient for today, and it's something that uh, I want to talk about with our guest co-host today, John Champion. Who hey, you glad all know
0: to be here from Mission Log Pod here on the network. Yeah, you know that that is an interesting segment that you pulled because uh, you think about at the time that he wrote this. Well, you have the big three: you have CBS, ABC, mm-hmm. NBC. And certainly Gene is not always thrilled with the networks, <laughs> um, but it, this is before, well before the internet. This is before kind of the big splits of cable TV, creating all these multiple channels. And he's Long talking before. yeah, and he's talking about, well, well, what does media look like in the future? What does TV look like in the future? And, and what does our consumption of that media look like for bad or for good?
2: Yeah. Now, it's interesting, too, because this topic is written this, – this section is part of – again, it's just a two-page introduction to a book that is the first the first uh, treatise to look at Star Trek fandom as a phenomenon that we talk about all the time now. But it, it's helpful to back up and just – here's our timeline, right? So the mm-hmm. show is canceled mm-hmm. in 69. This book was, was written in 1975. This introduction is dated from January 1975. In between, we'd had the show be canceled. Uh, a year later, Gene loses his chance to, uh, to buy the franchise outright, but the visionaries uh, are already running Star Trek in syndication for, for that high school, college-age demographic after school and early evening so that the ratings are shooting sky high. Other stations are picking it up. It's become a thing now. Uh, if you weren't a fan and motivated and impassioned by Star Trek, you're getting it in daily doses, and it's growing Thanks to that Driven by that syndication But now you've got The fanzine authors Writing fanzines Fan fiction That's growing into the clubs And the convention movement By 72 You have the first National clumping of clubs The Star Trek Association For revival With city chapters In 72 Their newsletter 72 is also the year The Star Trek Well Committee is founded Which basically is The internet on paper And stamps For fans that want to know Clubs and merchandise And what's going on And and then 73 is the infamous first Star Trek convention that was planned for 500 in New York and 3,000 came <laughs> and got us TV guide coverage. And bang, it's a mainstream news phenomenon now, some heckling and making fun of what these kids, the Trekkie kids are doing. But it's definitely on the radar. It's a growing thing. And then the next year you've got some monetizing coming in when NBC says, OK, an animated series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and and let's just talk about publishing for a little bit, because uh, you had Stephen Whitfield's book, The Making of Star Trek, right? and then you kind of had this gap where, as you mentioned, it's the internet by handwritten letters and stamps. It's this early fan network. You had a lot of zines, a lot of self-published stuff. You had Gene and Majel knocking stuff out at Lincoln, (laughs) you know, Um, (laughs) their newsletter, right? Yeah. and, And that was the connection that Star Trek fans had. But now you've got a professional book, a a real book, examining the Star Trek phenomenon in a in a thoughtful manner. And Gene must have been thrilled to have this opportunity to philosophize oh, right. a bit at the start of this book. Well, it's a, it's I said it's a, it's a
2: tightrope that you're a producer, and here's Gene. Um, he's glad to have the animated series back, but in the parlance of of TV of, of you know Hollywood you don't linger over your quote-unquote failures and to most people Star Trek was this failed little 3-year show it's time to move along and sell something else and Gene was trying to move along he you know developed Genesis 2 as a pilot didn't sell planet earth didn't sell questor tapes pilot didn't sell um he's trying to to go on with life but at the same time here's this budding enigma of a show and again uh, you got paid for one time in a rerun. The actors, the cast, and they're they're again Star Trek is watching history unfold as they're the gods of this budding movement, and they're not seeing a penny from it unless yeah. they get a fee at a convention. It's, it's the
0: working it's, class actors, right, yeah. right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. They're
2: gods on the weekend, and then they go yeah. back to uh, to trying to make a buck and pay the rent. And yeah. it's it was that way for Gene on down, and. To walk that tightrope between being associated with a former production when you're trying to move on with life was tricky, and normally you would run away from that. But here here, Sandra Marshak and Jacqueline Lichtenberg, who wrote uh, Star Trek Lives, which was like the rallying cry for 70s fandom,
0: right, mm-hmm. the first wave. So, so let's picture it. Early right. 70s, all these fans with T-shirts and buttons that say Star Trek Lives and bumper stickers that say Star Trek Lives. That was the rallying cry, Right, yeah.
2: because you know, first fandom existed to celebrate the show, but also to and to keep it alive and to get it revived. Because nothing was—we're years before six, five, five, six years before the motion picture finally happened. Much less any any spinoff down mm-hmm. the line. Mm-hmm. No one could foresee what was going to turn into a franchise. People yeah. didn't talk about franchises back then. Right. And and it was just that let's see these adventures, these, these characters in this adventure and this philosophy one more time on film. So uh, it's, it's interesting they adapted that name. Gene's – again, back to Gene's draft here. He mm-hmm. wrote it as an introduction to the realm of Star Trek. So someone along the way thought that that was a sexier title, Star Trek Lives! <laughs> right. Exclamation point. Yes. Like the bumper stickers and buttons at the yes. time. But uh, their book – yes, uh, Stephen Poe, Whitfield mm-hmm, – uh, mm-hmm. His book was a production book, and Mm -hmm. then David Gerald had written his Tribbles book, I think, in 73, Making Of, and his analysis book. uh, But it was about the show. They were writing – Marshak and Lichtenberg were writing about – the fandom with Joni Winston contributing her chapters about creating the first convention.
0: So let's talk about them because it's really hard to overstate the importance of these three women to Star Trek and, and particularly mm-hmm. to Joan Winston's contribution to Star Trek fandom. I remember seeing it. Maybe you showed me or maybe it was in one of the books, but pictures of Joan Winston on set while they're shooting Star Trek, the original series.
2: Right. And Joan Winston was not a teeny bopper fan. She was a junior level executive, I want to say at CBS. Um, But she had finagled her industry connections to get out to Desilu. As it happened, she was there the week they were shooting not just Turnabout Intruder, but the week they found out they were definitely – All intents and purposes, done deal, bottom line, canceled. Oh, ouch. So she was there for the pain to come. They all kind of knew the writing was on the wall, but she was there for that. Has her incredibly priceless pictures uh, watching. And she was young, in her 20s, and so all the cast, all the guys, were enjoying having their picture taken (laughs) with her, and she with them. And some of the guys, she's got pictures with John Dwyer and some of the other crew too. And I think uh, Communicator, back in the day, we were able to publish those for the first time. Oh, nice. But – but she wrote about her experiences there, and then for the book, she uh, wrote about um, about organizing that first convention. Of course, she later wrote a complete book about that, The Making of the Trek Conventions or How I Threw a Party for 50,000 of My Closest Friends or something like that. <laughs> but again, these are the baby days of fandom, and all these people are laying down these building blocks. And the bottom line to having a real revived Star Trek was you know, uh, follow the money. Show me the money, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And these are all step- – we're not even to the technoman- technical manual being on the New York Times bestseller list. That that came about the time this book came out. But right. this, the building blocks are falling into place for this movement to show that it was
0: monetizable as mm-hmm. well as mm-hmm.
2: satisfying the yen of all the original fans that wanted to see more Star Trek and Gene had to offer.
0: So the first part of this document is Gene philosophizing, and of course, Mm -hmm. he's going to love doing that. This is right around the time the college lecture circuit is starting for him, so 1975. And then the- the Helping him pay his rent. Of course. (laughs) Hey, you you, you take the job where you can. Right. And then on the second page, uh, you've got Gene talking a bit about fandom, like what makes a Star Trek fan, why are Star Trek fans special? And that's, that's just a little bit of that, him starting to get into that. Right, the the philosopher gene.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the, yeah. The philosopher gene of philosopher gene. Right, wow. right. No, he yes he he starts off talking about media, which I, I, I want to hit before we before we wrap up. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he has another part because this is a book about fandom and the fan phenomenon as people are trying to understand it and even explore it and even things to what one of their chapters was called the discovery effect where, you know, pre internet. Yeah. It was a it was a huge paradigm shift just for you and your two best friends who would talk about the show at school to find out that you weren't alone in the universe. Right? That right. that these early zine writers would start early conventions and clubs and oh my god there were 5000 people at a convention in New York. Did you see that on the news last night? Oh my god, we're not alone. <laughs> And that was, that was powerful. That was hugely powerful. And that that in the pre-internet world, that took a while to spread. But eventually, like I said, the Well Committee was propagating that and letting people know what was available. And this second part of his introduction, he's talking about the question that we've, again, been saying since day two of Star Trek, which is <laughs> why Star Trek? Why so popular? Why five years? Why, t- why 50 years yeah. of popularity and going strong? And he had an interesting quote here. He said – He joked and said, well, what makes a Star Trek fan? Well, I found they're highly intelligent. Oh, of course. But more seriously, he says, there's another quality which I choose to regard as a higher compliment to all of us who made the show. The typical Star Trek fan is invariably a remarkably gentle human being, gentle as in the lovely but too often archaic concept of gentleman and gentlewoman, the kind of gentleness which comes out of a considerable affection for this universe in general and for life in particular. It was this capacity for affection which led the Star Trek fan to approve and appreciate our view that humankind is not characterized by evil, as the visionless would have us believe, but rather that its past is a lusty infant's period of trial and error and learning.
0: Isn't that nice? He's, he's saying <laughs> in one fell swoop how good his show is and how thoughtful his show is, but, but how good and thoughtful the fans are as well. Well, it, aside from being an awful nice, uh, yeah, self-pat yeah. uh, on the back,
2: it's basically true.
0: It is. It's is a really nice – I love that use of of gentleman and gentlewoman. It's, it's the, a, uh, for gentle people. There, yes. are a lot of inv-
2: there are a lot of observers of pop culture today in our Comic-Con you know, soaked culture that we mm-hmm. all enjoy so much. But talk about the different franchises and fandoms and say Star Trek fans are the nicest. I don't want to start a fan war here, but talk about how Star Trek fans a characteristic is that they're so nice, and I, that's the DNA right there. He right. hits it on the head in 75.
0: All right, so before we go, Larry, uh, one last question here. That that first part of the letter where Gene is being kind of prescient about media manipulation, mm. talked about kind of the media landscape at the time in the mid-'70s. Here it is 2017, as of the recording of our show, very different media landscape. What's Gene's insight here? It's almost like he's apologizing for having started this mass philosophical
2: movement off of a a little thing that's meant to sell soap and car tires, right? (laughs) Right. But but along the way, in just two or three sentences, he hits the nail on the head about the power of not just television but all the media that's going to come. And is it going to be for the good and the, the knowledge and diffusion of, of, of information among men, as mm-hmm. the Smithsonian's mm-hmm. mantra is? Or, as he said here, uh, by used by a powerful few to own and manipulate the rest of us. Ooh. And in the world we live in today, fake news. Um, yeah. uh, that's really precious. It's odd that that was never a, a theme of a, an original Star Trek episode that I yeah. can think of on the nose. Yeah. But he's he's touching on something accidentally or, or intentionally that we're dealing with right now. What will be the future and the purpose of, of this vast power of media?
0: Well, if you would like to take a look at the full document, be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash Files.
2: The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com/slash The Trek Files. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and portal47.net at larrynemiczek.com.